Hey you. Yeah, you. The one trying to make a video game. I've got someone here that can help you, and that someone is Intel, which is not a someone, it's a company. But this company, they are going to help you as if they were a somebody and a someone and also a something. Check out software.intel.com slash gamedev to find out how Intel is making sure all the innovation in gaming continues to happen on the PC as part of the Intel Game Dev program. Again, that URL is software.intel.com slash gamedev. Sign up and start something new. It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything about the world of games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is Victory ah. Royale Champion. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's me, Mike Minotti. So you got, I, do, like, I, do wish, I do wish we had something cooler to call it than Victory Royale, like Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I do prefer Winner Winner Chicken Dinner in terms of turn. Uh, Victory Royale is not bad, though. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. But, uh, it's but better yeah, than I, like, just like, not having anything. Uh, so see, like, right, right before like the show... I'd like to say you win. Yeah, okay, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> right, right before the show, like we're waiting to start because Mike's going to play Fortnite. He's like, yeah, right after this round. And he's taking so long. I'm like, did he start another round? What's going on here? I don't know. And then he comes back and he's like, I won. <laughs> I won. I won. So that's your first solo win in Fortnite. Yeah, man. I had my first squad win earlier, but that's like, that was fun. But I was playing with people who like have been playing more right. friends. They were kind of carrying me along. So this if I get the sense good. that people talk about like, oh, I got my first solo win. It's like, that's the first like real time. Right. Uh, so when did this all start? When did this Fortnite thing happen? <laughs> well, yeah, right. I know because I haven't been I haven't been playing anything on my PC except for like Blizzard games forever. Mm-hmm. You, you tried to get me into PUBG, but I did, it didn't really take with me. Uh, well, you know how I I just built that the the new computer uh, a couple weeks ago, right before GDC, and a couple of my friends were playing Fortnite because everybody has friends who are playing Fortnite now. Yes, uh, absolutely. So I was like, well, let's just see what Fortnite looks like on this computer, and I was playing with them and. I was like, hey, this is like that the parts of PUBG I understand with without the parts I didn't understand. <laughs> so I was kind of able to get into it a little easier. And the building is it's definitely a layer of like complexity, but I was also able to kind of comprehend that pretty quickly. Yeah. Plus, you know, I had friends who were playing it, my bro- my brother's playing it too now. So I had a lot of people to play with it, play with it, play it with. Uh so I was just kind of messing around. Then when I got back from GDC and I was just uh playing a bit. This was my kind of first round going some solo. I was just killing time waiting for you. And uh I kinda I kinda I got a little lucky because I was able to get a purple sniper rifle, which they're strong and you don't have to reload between every shot like some of the other ones. Right. So I was kind of like in a low populated area is where I started. Then I kinda just made my way towards the circles. I'll get a couple couple of sniper kills here and there. Uh I had like three kills going at the end. Then I just kind of got to the largest uh hill built a big tower guy kind of slowly made his way toward me with a shotgun then when he kind of got close and i saw where he was but he didn't know where i was i just dropped down and was able to kind of you know surprise him and win huh so he was like running on the ground or was he like running on like a yeah, well, i couldn't find him i couldn't see his approach i just like for some reason he's able to sneak up but i saw him like hugging the side of the base of my tower at some point. okay 
And so I knew where he was. He didn't know where I was. So I was able to drop down, get the first shot in with my shotgun. And then as long as I didn't miss a bunch, which shockingly I didn't, I was able to win. So. So that game was already huge, and then it feels like it got like right? it's, it feels like it got twice as big in like the last two weeks. <laughs> and now every, I mean, mobile is going to help with that for sure. But now it feels like just everyone is playing it. It's just so fascinating to me how like this game was made to chase a very old trend. They were like hilariously late right. to it. And, 20, and this is in 2011. This is like when they're like announcing yeah. Fortnite uh, originally. Yeah, it's like we're gonna have a zombie mode game. It's like, uh, yeah, maybe 2011. With, with Minecraft crafting, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, then they're just, like, suddenly up, like, oh, this is popular, we'll do this. And, like, it's so funny. Like, I don't even know what a zombie looks like at Fortnite. <laughs> right? Like, that's a thing. Like, I, there's a loading screen. It's, like, the Fortnite people on a hill, and, like, zombie arms are reaching out of them. And I'm like, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to be zombie. It's that game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and like they were, then they're like, okay, let's go chase PUBG. And I, I think what happened is they just got on consoles first, and consoles as as you know as big as PUBG was on on Steam, consoles are just so much bigger in terms of like a broader audience. Yeah. It's it's just it's really, at least in the United States and Canada and Europe, and that's where you know Fortnite's just dominating. And I do think I, I, it was something I said when we first played PUBG. I was like, oh, I really get the appeal of this. I can't wait to to like a more right. polished studio makes a game like this. And, you know, it's Epic Games. They, they kind of know how to use their own yeah. engine to make a pretty, like, relatively stable game, right? Like, this game's already running pretty well. Uh, you know, something that PUBG, I, I haven't played in a while, but it was still struggling with a little bit when I was playing. Oh, yeah, back then it was tough. Mm -hmm. So, um, I also just kind of like the pace of it more. I like that it's a smaller map with right, no it's vehicles. Fast. It's faster paced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. a lot... You don't have like as much intense inventory management, but then you still have the building stuff that like, so that it's not literally just running around shooting people, right? So there is a layer to it. So I, yeah, it's yeah, I know. I feel like a big trend follower right now, but uh, I don't know why all of a sudden that it's funny because like I play popular games all the time, but like in this era, I do feel right. like oh, I'm playing like the popular game. <laughs> right? like, like I know I get that. Like I was playing Overwatch before. I was real edgy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. There is like this, I, I think, a, a small part of me that's just like, Ugh, I don't want to really go get into all that because I've, I've already played the real game. I don't need to go play this other one that's just coming after it. And, uh, like all the casuals are into that. And that's like a very like shitty small part of my brain that's just like, no, that's stupid. The game, there's there's something to it. Yeah, I, I don't quite enjoy it as much. Like when I play it, I, I've, I've said this on Twitter, that, like I just don't, I don't feel anything. Um, and I think I, I think what it is and I... I I played 500 or more hours of, of player unknowns battlegrounds and I'm just sort of numb. I think now to a game that is doing that, but with less, less tension, there's less tension for me. Um, at least th I, I, there's definitely still tension, but it's just, it's, it's, it's downgraded. Cause it is just, it's so fast and it's not really about like sneaking around. Like go, no, no one tries to be stealthy. In, no, in stealth Fortnite. is a much less important aspect. Of right. Yeah. You're not trying, you're not trying to hide. You're trying like, when you see someone, I would say, yeah, uh, like PUBG can get very tense, like even in kind of the earlier mid game right. sessions, like exactly. the tension at Fortnite is like when you're in the final, like 10, right. And you're like, and then, then you're like, course, Oh, yeah. now we got something going on here. Exactly. Yeah. But, and that's, and that's still, still totally great, but it's just like, it's not throughout the, the match. So that, that, that I just, I'm missing that. But at the same time, I, get why people like it 
more than PUBG, especially. Like, I get it for sure. It's it 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 is interesting that we kind of have our two games, and I wonder if it's gonna be like how it was with MOBAs, right? Where they there yeah, was two, like and you would occasionally have like the third place, like your Smites or you know whatever. Uh, really, there's only Smite was like the one real notable third place kind of. There was like Han at one point, Heroes of New Earth yeah, was real Heroes early. Earth, yeah. I don't know how many people yeah. remembered Heroes of New Earth, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, God. I a couple others tried to get in that third place spot and it never worked out for him. Um, but I do feel like that is probably how it's going to work here. I, I think there's still a chance that like if the PUBG cheater situation doesn't get figured out or if they, if they can't figure out a content pipeline to um, keep adding stuff while also fighting cheaters, which is, I think what their big issue right now is they're so preoccupied fighting cheaters that they don't have time to add in all new, all this new stuff. In the meantime, Fortnite is is getting new stuff all the time, and it feels like it's getting all this attention that PUBG's not, when it's like, okay, well, it just doesn't have the cheating problem quite yet. It will, but it doesn't yet. Well, Epic Games had a whole team that was working on some other game that they were just able to be like, hey, you're going to work on this game now. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And and even it's like, even if Fortnite's not making like the most money in the world either, it's, I mean, and, and it, it, it is. is. It is, <laughs> totally. But even if it wasn't, it's like, they're, that they're, that's not even Epic's profit motive. The motive here is to build a game that forces Epic to like refine its tools so it can sell those tools to other developers uh, with, you know, the unreal engine. And that's like, that's been a great thing for them to do through all these games that they've been working on. Paragon was about that. I mean, unreal tournament was like actually completely free, at least, at least as far as what Epic was that? Was what was that? Rage? Remember rage? That was that was, no, that, was that, that was id. What yeah. am I thinking of? Has that just been a real tournament and this and Gears of War with Unreal lately? I guess. Yeah, I think I, that was yeah, because yeah, Unreal was like the first like big PC one. I did. Remember when like Cliffy B was like really attached to Fortnite at first? Like yeah. he announced it. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. And poor I, guy. I, <laughs> He's kind yeah. of <laughs> oh man, yeah, for real, poor guy. It's got to be kind of rough watching Fortnite become the most popular thing in the world. Uh-huh. Like ten people are playing your game. God damn! Yeah, I tried to play uh, that game the other day. I couldn't even really. I couldn't. I couldn't get it to work. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was. It is shocking how. What else they call it again? So people know what we're talking about. Yeah. Good point. Uh, well, we were just talking about Fortnite, and now we're talking about. It's going to come to me, Mike. I swear to God. Lawbreakers. <laughs> Lawbreakers. Lawbreakers. Um, yeah. And the gravity like, laws is what they're breaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, uh, yeah, that was a rough thing. I was like, I couldn't even, I think someone checked for me. I was doing it on stream and someone's like, uh, yeah, I think it says two people are playing this according to Steam. Wow. Thing. And I'm like, wow, that How is does actually something fall off that fast. I just, we're in an era where that can happen. Like it's never been like this before where a game could come out with that much, mar- that much of a marketing push and cost $30 from a name developer. Um, and just completely miss its mark to the point where, Everyone knows to avoid it because none of my friends are playing and I need to be where my friends are. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, well, my thing is like, uh, how does a game like Rainbow Six Siege, which is another game I'm playing, how does that happen where it can miss the market st- at, the, at the start and then slowly build up over right. time to the point where it's this huge thing? Yeah, and that's kind of what happened with Fortnite, but it wasn't as Fortnite was very sudden. Like, here's the new game mode. Right. It's free and it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's real interesting what happened with, with Rainbow Six. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, Brave New World. Should, uh, yeah, we'll get into some other stuff real quick. Let's sure. do uh, the, the, like these notes that we show always do, but we kind of got into Fortnite there. That's I was, I was still like really excited. Yeah, I'm glad we could talk. I about know there's that. gonna be that's some pretty, people like, well, unless your win rate is like you know 10, percent you're really not good. Now for now, let me let me feel this and enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, okay, first, you can get more from me and Mike at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to share with us, email the podcast, games plus podcast adventurebeat.com. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, uh, there's an audio version. You can get that wherever pods are caught. Um, if you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts if that's the one you use, because that helps the show grow. Um, so, yeah, uh, other than Fortnite, what else have you been playing, Mike? Well, I was at GDC all last week. You were at GDC. Uh, which is a whole thing. There's a lot to talk about there. You were actually playing like a big game, though, but it's a new release. Why don't, why don't we talk about that first, I guess? I, yeah, I, sure I want to hear about Far Cry 5. Take a drink of my water, and then I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all about Far Cry 5. Like, so I guess my question is, I'm somebody who I like the series. I played Far Cry 3, Blood Dragon 4, and Primal, and like right after Primal, I was like, man, I am burned out on this. I can't <laughs> imagine coming back to this unless something really yeah. interesting happened. Is, is Far Cry Five interesting <laughs> enough for me to care? Because my inclination is not to care. That, that it's a tough question. Um, I think that you probably are are going to be able to get away with not caring about this game. You in that particular circumstance. If, if anyone who played Far Cry Primal, I think if you were playing that many Far Cry games that you actually played, you picked up and played Primal. Um, you could probably skip this one unless the setting really appeals to you. I do think that they, so this one, the, the, the thing is, is it's set in America and it's still, it's still set up very much like Far Cry three and four, where it is about these uh, insurgent groups of competing locals who have started this weird cult thing. And uh, they are fighting against the other, other indigenous people, which is, you know, in this case, it's American people to uh, control that space and make it like just about this, this, you know, this cult. Um, and, you know, they, they sort of echo um, very extreme, like the American extremist groups, like the Branch Davidians or whatever, like the Waco event. It feels a, a lot like that. Um, and I think uh, they miss on a lot of that setup, but uh, in terms of setting it in America and making it look like the American Mountain West, uh, it's uh, Montana specifically, they get a lot of that right. It's like just it's big sky, it's open open fields, and then there are these these forested areas with this with with rivers with like fishing signs that look very familiar, and the advertisements look pretty look, look it, right. It is just to see a triple A game that's in America not take place in like one of the big cities or like exactly. a parody of one of the big cities. Right? Yeah, you'll you'll stumble across a a, a sandlot baseball field, and it's like okay. I recognize this. I, I've seen this in my real life, and it looks exactly like this. They got this right. Um, I, I've driven through small towns that look just like this, and I've seen a strip club that looks just like this one. Like that, yes, that kind have. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Of course I have, <laughs> Mike. Of course, possible. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it it still is in many ways uninteresting because they don't really take a, a lot of those things to their logical extreme. Uh, it is very much just set dressing and it's there to enable a crazy cult leader to be all wild at you up in the first person mode where his face is in your face yeah, they're and really, he's talking all crazy and singing Amazing Grace or whatever. Uh, they're really going against their uh, their formula <laughs> there, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that like that that's that it, it all serves that purpose of what has been the Far Cry formula. Um, and at the same time, I, I'm... And I, I, so I wrote the review and I'm in a weird spot with like reviews right now. Cause I'm thinking like, okay, this game is, it is a well-made game. It is the best made Far Cry so far. Um, they have streamlined everything. And I, I didn't, I never played a ton of the Far Cry games. I played enough of all of them 
to get an idea. Wait, Blood Dragon, right? I play. I, I, that's the one I played the most of, oh. actually. So yeah, Blood Dragon's great. Um, but in terms of like the moment to moment gameplay, it is the most streamlined it's ever been. It is, uh, uh, I guess, what I mean by that is. Uh, like picking up weapons and looting all that stuff's very very quick but also you move from objective to objective really naturally uh there's not a lot of stuff in 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 the way of or preventing you from doing that you don't have to go climb a bunch of towers to unlock stuff in an an area it's yeah it's just nice and and it it feels great and it all that stuff works really well and i recognize that and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's so like 85 out of 100. That's that sounds like a good score for this game. But then I'm like thinking, I'm like, I, I it's it's not it's not an excited 85 out of 100. It, it it is a I am respecting and acknowledging its quality and how well it's put together and what Ubisoft is doing here. And I see the potential for them to really play around in this space. They have this uh, arcade mode where they can sort of just throw in all kinds of wacky stuff um, and put set it in the far cry engine and just let it loose on on this huge huge player base and they also turn those tools over to the community and the community can make that stuff and and do things as well um there's a lot of stuff that can happen with this game and i'm like i see that potential but i'm not excited about it in the way that i am about like just maybe some weird broken stuff that i'm finding on steam early access like i'm you know even that that ego game i was playing a little bit ago that's like it's in early access, it's unfinished, it's broken half the time, but it's doing stuff that is so new and so, uh, you know, so, so different that it's like, I can get a lot more excited about that. Um, and I, 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 and, well, I mean, it's not it, like you hate these AAA no, because you loved Wolfenstein too, and it's yes, almost exactly. kind of similar to this. Yes, exactly. In some ways, right? Yes, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, and, and what, what, what the difference there is Wolfenstein 2. What it was doing that was new, new and exciting was this story that was bold and willing to say things and willing to call out like American people as potentially villainous um, and in a way that video games never have and, and are afraid to. And Far Cry 5 is a perfect example of that of that fear of that cowardice to really commit to what you're trying to say with your game. Um, and, and so like so, you know, so the story misses, but like. The gameplay isn't on an equivalent exciting level of Wolfenstein 2 or whatever. It's just, it is a more refined version of the thing we've been playing for a long time. I, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm, the reason this is a weird time, I think, is because I do look around and I do see everyone playing Fortnite. And people are taking chances on new franchises and new games and new experiences that aren't Call of Duty, that aren't just the same stuff over and over again, that's not just Far Cry. And I think I think I'm like starting to realize. Okay, I think people are really looking for new experiences in video gaming, and maybe maybe that's maybe that's not Far Cry. I, that, it's, it's pretty rough made. when you get to whatever whatever five, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, it's it's a good game. It is. I, I, I'm not going to take that away from it. It's. Ju- I just think that I'm. It's. I don't know if another Far Cry could ever excite me. Maybe maybe, maybe they could. Dragon too. Okay, now we're yes, now we're talking. If it was just yeah, like straight up Blood Dragon Two, oh yeah, give me that. Let me run that on this new PC. I would be a happy boy. But yeah. so that's uh, that was Far Cry Five we're talking about. Uh, I, I I'm I'm gonna keep playing it a little bit on the PC. I, I you know was playing on PlayStation Four for review. We got the PC code later. Um, I'm gonna kind of see it through and try some other stuff and uh, maybe d- dive harder into the arcade and the co-op stuff and kind of see how I feel about all that. But. uh I would tell people that it is, 
if the, if you are if you think you are into traditional big AAA open world games, still, uh, this one is one of the most refined versions of those. As long as you're not worried about the story, give like as long as you don't care like care about the story because you right. won't care. I mean, about it's not the like story. Far Cry Four had a memorable story either. Exactly. Right. Yes. If but you I mean, like that, yeah. then hey, sure. Exactly. So yes, if you came out of that that game saying like I didn't care about the story, but I was doing all this thing and all these things, and I, I uh, you know was flying a plane and I jumped out and I did this and that, you're going to be able to tell those stories and more in in this game because it does that stuff even better. So, um, uh, another game I've been playing Sea of Thieves. I like, put in any time with this. I just like kind of started it and walked around. Uh, I can tell you the so I mean I, I played the beta right, and I think that's one of the reasons why like. I'm not like enthusiastically jumping into it. I feel like I yeah. played this game already. I think you did, yes. Yeah, but the, the the weird thing that stuck out with me when I was playing the the full game is some of the presentation inconsistency. Like it's a gorgeous game, right? The wireless good, like, you know, the colors are beautiful, and then like the music is very clearly synthesized. I'm not even like very well synthesized. It just sounds cheap. Like, oh, the voice acting is clearly done by people who worked in the studio. <laughs> like, right? It's like these weird little, like, cheap moments where I'm like, what? This Who made this again? Rare? They're owned by Microsoft, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 so there's a lot of those inconsistencies, I think. It feels like, um, the, the water is the most beautiful thing ever. The uh, water of the, the game. Yes, yeah, water of the year. Uh, it is uh, uh, the 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 light. The lighting is gorgeous. Like the way it reflects off like water on the deck, and not just in the on the sea. Uh, it's it's beautiful. And then, and then you go and you like actually play the game, and it feels like there was no attention to detail paid to what you're actually doing uh, in terms of these missions. Well, it was they the are thing, very basic. It's the thing everybody feared, and everybody said, everyone's like, "No, there's going to be progression." It's well, what do you just keep finding, you know, treasure, bringing it back and do it over and over. And for people who've been playing this a lot, it sounds like that is kind of it. There's not a very, uh, it's kind of the anti monster hunter world. It sounds like to me, like monster hunter world, monster hunter world works because it does have this absolutely incredible progression loop, right? Where after each mission, you get a, you get a little better here. You get this cool new looking thing. You unlock this, you unlock that, but you don't have quite enough. So you want to go out there and do more. Those are, there's really anything pushing you like that in this, except like raise your rep with these three factions and something happens maybe. So I, my thing about this game, I think is they, what are they trying to do? I mean, they, they are coming into a world where, it feels like every gamer and every developer and every publisher just came to a truce on on cosmetic upgrades are going to be the thing we pay for. They are this thing that we're going to pretend is not in, in, inter, inter, I can't say this word integral uh, important to the game play itself. Uh, it is this uh, reward on the side, and you can get it through grinding in the game, but you probably should just pay, give the de developers some extra money, and get this stuff on the side, because it doesn't really matter. And then Sea of Thieves comes out comes out and says, that's pretty much all you're going to be going after. There are There is no way, you're not going to be putting points into your character to have a better character. You're not going to be uh, putting, you're not going to be spending money on better weapons that shoot, that can hold more ammunition. Uh, it is all sideways progression, where it's just going to look different. And I don't know how that works in 2018. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it works for something like like a Battle Royale game because you're starting from scratch every single game. Right. Yeah, this is... I guess they were just, like, convinced this game's not going to have any RPG elements. It's just so hard to make a persistent, like, multiplayer online game that doesn't have RPG elements. It also feels like it's not just... It's hard, but it's also Unwise. a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. It feels like... Uh, if we've learned anything from all these games over the, the all the huge games that come to your tongue when you're like, what's been cool recently? It has been Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite and and uh, Monster Hunter World, Dark, Monster Hunter World and Dark Souls and uh, all these games or like Minecraft even, where it's like these are very complex games that demand the player learn the systems and. Uh, you know, Destiny. Like you're gonna have to go spend time there and grind with your friends and catch up and get and get gear and spec in a certain way, uh, and and be uh, not just important uh, to your teammates uh, or important to your crew because of your skills, but because of the way that you've built your character. And people love that for a reason, and it's because it gives them ownership over the experience in a way that I think Sea of Thieves is completely opposed to. Yeah, and it's just even just like the avatar options when you start right like like it's so bizarre to me that you would make some kind of like you know large multiplayer game like this with pirates who are you know known for having a lot of extravagant costumes and all these different looks and you just like pick through one of like six or so avatars it's yeah, like, I mean, you you can like re-roll those and, and make them random again but you're still you're not designing your own character you're yeah just, it's weird yeah um is that what's even yeah. happening there it's just like those aren't that's so weird. I didn't even yes, realize yes. that's what it was. Yeah, it's completely. It's just randomly generated, and there's a button there to like, oh, re-roll pirates, basically. Re-roll I don't know what pirates? Why don't I just get to pick all the things? Right, exactly. Why not? I don't know. Like, it, like how does... Like, how do they get so many of these other things right, and then just, I think, completely fudge what, I get, what I think they were. The I think their, like, big, like, buzz phrases when they make this game was, you know, players are going to make their own fun. And they all really yeah. bought into that philosophy, and I can understand why that sounds exciting and interesting. Yeah, but me I, too. But there, there's got to be a little bit more help from the the game itself, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think my thing is whenever I think of making my own fun, it is always with the veneer of we are working towards this other thing. Yeah. Like the game tricks you into into thinking like you're doing uh, some some quest or some mission or trying to upgrade something. Uh, but really, it's either you're improving or you are goofing off with your friends, and that's the stuff that keeps you actually coming back, even if you don't realize it. Uh, you're like, oh, well, I can go put some more points into my character. Uh, okay, well, yeah, th- that's fun, that's fine, but really, the only reason you're going to keep coming back is because of all these peripheral peripheral experiences. And they just, they forgot that core, that pillar that serves as, like, the, the you know, the post that holds up the whole thing. Um to the point where I'm like, I, I, yeah, I don't even know if this, I mean, I, I see the potential. I just don't think I like it. I just love that. Like two years ago, if you had asked me if like when Sea of Thieves like, came out, I would just be holding it up against the new Monster Hunter game. Like, <laughs> in shame. Uh, it's a beautiful industry. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a really interesting time. Uh, I mean, there's the, the winners, the people who are the winners and the losers right now are just so. It's crazy. Right. It's fun. Yes. Capcom's doing great. Like, well, yeah. Capcom's <laughs> having the best time ever. Oh, like, yeah. It's making the most money ever. It's yeah. okay. What? How did that happen? It's How Monster Hunter. Here? Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Wait, not, not any of the other, not any other game. Monster Hunter. They have a million games and that's the one. 
I mean, although to be I fair, guess... everything else is doing okay. like Resident Evil Seven did well. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Street Fighter Five is doing yeah. well now, right? Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I mean, mean, Marvel versus Capcom, not so much. Yeah, I mean, even Street Fighter is like not doing as well as Dragon Ball Fighters right now, but we'll see how that works out over time. Mega Man Before Eleven, now. though, that's where it's yeah, all going to be yeah. at. Oh yeah, the bestseller. It's gonna it's gonna oh, put baby. Grand Theft Auto Five down. Yep. Oh man, man. I I don't know. Uh, so. For Sea of Thieves, I think I'll probably try it a couple more times, but this is Microsoft's chance to really p- prove that they're serious about these live services games. Um, this is something Phil Spencer was saying. on, on for, He actually said this on, in a couple of interviews across a couple of E3s now, where he's like, oh, well, we're not really investing in uh, traditional games anymore because if you look at what people are playing, they're going on and they're spending all their time in one game. Like they're just playing Minecraft or they're just playing. And this is like when PUBG was just coming out or they, you know, they announced it was going to become an Xbox one. Like, Oh, they're just playing that. So we're going to be, we're trying to think about how we can approach that stuff. And meanwhile, this is when Sony's releasing all of their huge first party games and, and PlayStation four was uh, kind of shooting ahead because of that. Cause like everyone's like, Oh, look at this library. Um, so, so it's like, okay, you're not doing the first party games. You're going to do this, this, this game, this games as a service thing for the Xbox. That's fine. But then really commit to that and show us that you're like, if a game like Sea of Thieves comes out and everyone says it has potential, but it's not a game I want to play right now, really focus on it. Do the, do what Ubisoft has done yeah, with, right. with Rainbow Six Siege and show us that over the next year or two, you can continue to improve it to the point where the people that stick with it are going to be like, we told you. And me or someone like me who's probably not going to look at it again for a while after maybe one or two more times is going to say, wow, I really missed out here. I, I'm going to go back and I need to actually see what this is all about. Or they could do like Destiny 2 and release a lot of pictures of roadmaps. Yes, they could do that. That'd be fun too. <laughs> yes, I really I really think in terms of the roadmap game, people are just, <laughs> no one can keep up with what Bungie's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just they're so far ahead in that space. Bungie uh, chasing Capcom's Monster Hunter World right now. <laughs> I love it. Man, what <laughs> is happening? It. I love it. Uh, hey, want to hear about some of the things I did, I did play at... Uh, yeah, tell, tell me what your non-Fortnite stuff was. Yeah. Your, yeah, your all your GDC stuff. Yeah, so there's not... I mean, it's not a whole... It's not a big demo thing, right? There's a lot of talks. No, some it's not th- that kind of show. Some talks are pretty good, though. The ones I do want to call out... Uh, I always like the post-mortems, especially in the older games. There's a song I like the way you said that because you definitely implied that some of the talks weren't good. Well, you know, well, some of them are very technical. Like there was a talk, it was from Pixar. I was like, oh, cool. It was like Pixar is going to talk about how it uses real time graphics to help it. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I can maybe follow this. No. Wow. <laughs> that was way, it was just like, it, it may as well have been like a lecture hall in like a fourth year, like computer animation class. I had mm-hmm. no idea what was happening. That's really yeah. fun. But the postmortem on Sonic the Hedgehog was a lot of fun. There's some cool stories about like like the early days of like figuring out that character and like how they came up with like a weird backstory for him. They like, bought the Madonna one that we all heard where like he had a girlfriend, but like this weird story about how there was a fighter there was like a, a pilot, like a jet pilot, and he painted his the nose of his airplane to look like a hedgehog and he had the a hedgehog emblem on his jacket, and then he married a children's a uh, storybook author who wrote Sonic the Hedgehog as like a children's book. So I like this bizarre idea that Sonic the Hedgehog huh. is, a, is a fiction within a fiction. <laughs> right? It's like itchy and scratchy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so 
Hmm. But uh, the NBA Jam Postmortem was also super fun, just learning about like that game and just the wackiness of the 90s and right. all the weird licensing and stuff there. But um, probably the best talk was Yoko Taro's near talk. He did it with a guy from uh, Platinum Games. I interviewed both of them, too. That should be going up sometime this week. It was a very yeah. fun interview. But uh, it was cool because I always heard like people were like, oh, Yoko Taro's weird. And you see him with a mask and you believe that. But he's also very nice and like uh, kind of funny, you know, uh, a lot of self-deprecating humor, which I kind of appreciate. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's nice. That's always it. Always kind of puts you on an even keel when you're able to like get in a conversation with someone like that. Yeah, but they had a very funny talk. Like at the end of it, instead of taking questions from the audience, they prepared a Q and A for each other, and they had little like cartoon characters themselves asking <laughs> each other questions, and they would answer it. And they do this for, like ten that's minutes. Awesome. And then the next slide is just like the, the platinum guy asking Kotaro, "Does drinking help you write a video game?" <laughs> the answer was yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, based on that. Well, what he said was the things he writes while he drinks, people seem to like it better. <laughs> so yeah, so there were some that's fun awesome. talks. Um, I think the coolest thing I played was well, I got to go to like the Nintendo Nindies event where they had a lot of those games playable. Yeah, man, that was a, that was a, a good event. There's a lot of cool games announced. Uh, yeah, some stuff that's older that I would be happy to have on my Switch again. Mark of the Ninja in particular comes to mind. Sure, and playing Luminous for Switch was really cool. That was funny because they gave me six Joy Cons to like place around me to vibrate. They they had like two attached to like some elastic belt that I put on. They put two in my pockets and then they told me to sit on the other two. So. Yeah, this is a this is a me, or I was gonna say Meteos. That I wish another game from that. I wish. Developer. I know. Hopefully, uh, Luminous is uh, the game that came out like when the PSP launched, and it's this music. That's the last game. time I played it too. I think it was yeah. PSP. Yeah, but it's cool. And, and it was like a. Was that the one that supported the trans vibrator as well? Like it's the like trans- that and Res were the two Res, things yeah. I think. Yeah, so it's like a bodysuit of like controllers you could wear that would vibrate along with the music, and yeah, I, I always think it sounds filthy when people first bring it up, but I mean, because it is, of course it is. And we know where you're putting that. Uh, yeah, we we know. But uh, the cool, the, the one I really liked was the Messenger, which is uh, this kind of Ninja Gaiden inspired retro game, which is kind of doing for Ninja Gaiden what I think Shovel Knight did for like Mega Man and uh, Castlevania. Right. Right, uh, where it, it's like that eight bit plus, where yeah, it's like inspired by that, but mm-hmm. it, it like has a lot more colors and details than they really could do there without being sixteen bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, like they released the the new Nintendo Entertainment yeah, System right, instead exactly. of Super Nintendo, right? Yeah. So it's just this really like fluid, good feeling game that looks gorgeous. That you know, kind of has those mechanics that are like Ninja Gaiden, but it's got its own stuff going on. One thing that's really neat is you you can't do your double jump unless you attack something in midair, like connect with it. So there's like a lot of like, oh, you like make sure you hit this enemy right here or this like, you know, orb right here or this wait for the enemy to throw a star and then jump up and hit the star and then jump again. Uh, and then it, it actually the game gets more complicated. Like he showed me like there's kind of like a halfway point where you think the game ends. And mm-hmm. you gotta go. You then you like travel to the future, and then everything looks a lot more sixteen bit ish. And you can kind of like travel between these two realms. You, you start going back to the old areas, and you realize that the game's a bit like more Metroidvania y than you thought it was. So yeah, it seems like there's a lot of interesting. Okay, that's there. yeah, yeah. That seems like it, that hits all of oh, right. the sweet spots. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, this yeah uh-huh. like, yeah. I, I really do think this is a like look. If you like Shovel Knight, this is something to be excited about. It's it's yeah, definitely yeah. in that vein. I'm really looking. When's forward it coming to it. out? Now? It's just this year. Yeah, sometime Ugh. this year. 
Uh, that sounds like a game I could just like go. I could just leave this podcast right now and go play all of it. It sounds very good. Uh, um, what else? What else? Well, well real quick, I, I, Sony's been a lot. Of the, it's weird because like, a lot of the games are just like here's Shadow of the Colossus and things that are out, but uh, they did have Guacamelee too. It's like that is, that. yeah, that is that's so that was a Metroidvania style game, and now that they've announced the sequel, definitely coming to Switch uh, as well as. PlayStation 4? Was that one of the first ones it was announced for? Well, I played it on PlayStation 4, so I think so. I mean, yeah, the first game was on all those platforms. But, uh... Right. So, I got, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, like, It's weird, because this one's made for, like, up to four players co-op. But at least from the demo I was in, it was hard to get much of a Metroidvania sense of it. Like, again, it was just a kind of a short demo, but it played pretty right. linearly. But, like, the animation and stuff was, was really cool just say how it wasn't the first one there's they do a like in in the first game one of the fun abilities is you could turn into a chicken and in that game it was pretty much so you can like go under small spaces and this one you're a chicken gets his own ability so you're kind of going between these two forms a lot more hmm. <clears throat> but uh yeah i enjoyed that uh it was fun to play so well, I guess I was just playing a lot of indie Metroidvania games and getting excited. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's nothing where, wrong with that. That's where I am in my life. Yeah, I know. I don't blame you. I think that's a that's a good way to live that life. So that, that's like the cool stuff I played at GDC. Did I talk about Kirby with you? No, I. So I've been wondering because um, I think I think Jason got, got our review copy. I was wondering if you even played. Did, are, you, are you? I reviewed it. Also, okay. Yes, yeah, so I was. I was going to go back because I think I. Uh, I got so busy during GDC week. You never read my stuff. Try stop coming up with excuses. You hate me. No, this is this is my excuse, and you're going to accept it <laughs> on, at, at face value. Um, like I'm like I wonder if Mike wrote that wrote that review. I should go check that out eventually at some point, and I never did. Uh, so this is Kirby Star Allies for Switch. It's the first Kirby Switch game. Mm. Um, is it good? No. Oh, eh. Fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Glad I didn't just buy it blindly. Um. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer for me. Uh, this stinks because like every Kirby game. That comes out over the last couple of years. It feels like some of them are like very, very good. Yeah, well, the two they made for the 3DS I actually liked a lot. Uh, Triple Deluxe and Planet Robobot. Right. Largely because they, they actually did some kind of interesting level design things. that They played with the 3D aspect really well. Not just literally with the popping in, but kind of like having them go between two planes, introducing new mechanics and stuff like that. And then Robobot had the whole robot thing. Well, like this game's weird because... Their 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 gimmick is that it has four player co op, but there is the Kirby game for Wii that had four player co op. Uh, the the difference is that like you turn the enemies into your allies, like the other players, kind of like with Kirby Superstar, except you can do it to, like with up to four people. And if you're not playing with anyone, they just kind of they have AI that follows you around, and the AI is fine. But you know how there's the Kirby stereotype of it being like a little too easy. Yeah, yeah. I, it, this this is a really too easy i mean uh like it's not doing anything clever with level design it's it's mostly linear if anything exciting happens it's in a bonus room and and even those they're just puzzles that revolve around you like combining abilities but like inside the small room they're gonna have the two abilities right so it's like right you need to flip the switch and set this thing on fire oh look it's hammer and fire abilities <laughs> you know it, like you can yeah. do things like you can like combine like the elements of like ability so you could make your sword a fire sword and stuff like that but it's never like used very interestingly it, it was just kind of yeah this game was really just kind of autopiloting it it didn't seem like it was trying anything very exciting or different um, that's a, that is a bummer because I, yeah, 
because it did, did seem like they were on a really good tra- trajectory with what they were doing with Kirby. It was all it was all interesting. It was all at least uh, I think keeping Kirby fans happy. Um, so this that that's a bummer. Uh, can I ask? Did you uh, do you feel bad when you beat up that tree that's just sitting there as the first boss? Oh God, I he's just sitting there. You just going go around back to that tree. Keep going back to that tree, man. Yeah. Going back yep, to it more times. Every wispy, game. Oh, wispy woods. Uh yeah yeah i don't know it's a it's weird because it, it made me think because we were talking about how like oh they should just release games that would come out for the 3ds on the switch and that's okay and there, but there was like something kind of weird about like here's the new kirby games kirby's first switch game and i'm like this is just like the 3ds games and uh, it, yeah. it, beside the point that it wasn't as good like let's let's pretend it was as good i'm like mm-hmm. but that's would this still almost be a bummer because it, it's weird because it's like New Zelda game, like, monumental moment for the series. New Mario game, monumental moment for the series. New Kirby game, ah, oh, it's the worst one in a while. <laughs> you know, it's it's just... Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, I think, yes, that narrative really sucks. Because that, that and, is what happened. And here's the problem, like, Nintendo making these kind of cute, like, 2D games that are very, like, that they made a bunch of already. Like, Kirby, how many they made is it, it's It's flying not... Like, especially on the Switch, it's a hard sell because we have indie developers making really good and exciting right. and, like, mm-hmm. innovative 2D games. Like, I can't imagine playing this over Celeste or Shovel Knight or just, a, yeah. like, a million other things, you know? And this is a $60 game. You can beat it in five hours and it sucks. It yeah, doesn't that suck, was, but uh, it's not great. That was a big thing. I'm like, I'm going to go just check out the eShop. I'm gonna look and see where that Kirby game's at. I'm like, it's probably gonna be like thirty bucks. I can't believe it is. And I was full price. That's the the mini games are almost comically stupid. One of them right. is literally just uh, like you know how in like a baseball video game to or like in a golf game, right? To swing, you have like the meter. One of the mini games is just like a golf style meter, and it's like, see if you do that better than your friends. Uh, oh man, yeah, that's oh, one no, of the really? mini games. <laughs> Oh, it's rough. Oh, don't worry, though. You can use the Joy-Con and actually swing it instead of push a button. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. That's game-changing. Yeah. Uh, it makes that, me... That, okay, that's real. So, how does Nintendo exist? Like, how do I, how is a company able to do everything right yeah. for so many different well, things and then release, release there, a game? There right? is a part of me, and it's a cynical part of me, that who knows this based on anything. That's like, Nintendo knew what we knew, like... Man, they really front-loaded the Switch's release schedule, and they knew they weren't going to yeah. have much. And they're like, so they're just ah, like, Kirby, we can make one of those pretty quickly, yeah, don't, right? Don't, don't you have one of those Kirby games just sitting in a drawer right yeah, now? Yeah, I'll just put, yeah, put that one out. All right. What yeah, can maybe. we do? Uh, it's four players. Like, again, maybe? Sure. Like that's how it kind of, That's why I'm a little nervous about this Yoshi game. Also, I I don't know if it's gonna. Yeah, I, I am not somehow be better right. Than I'm this. not getting my hopes up for any of those games that were announced like that. Uh, specifically Yoshi. Uh, Kirby, I was like, I mean, Kirby, they were already doing it on 3DS. They kind of knew what they were doing. Maybe there was something they could do special for the Switch, and that'll be in Star Eyes, and that'll be cool. So I was like, okay, that could work. But Yoshi, I have no confidence in them getting that right, because they just have not done so since Yoshi's Island. Um, no. That's everything they've done with the Like, with I the played through and beat that Wii U Yoshi game. I could not tell you much of anything about it. <laughs> like, right, I, yes. That's like I think such, I did too, yeah. That's such a blur. I was like, that was a game. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what's what's disappointing about. Yeah, play that what's, well, what's weird about Kirby is the final boss fight was really cool. And every like new and exciting idea was only in that. Hmm. Like, it was a pretty good final boss fight. And they're like, ugh. 
yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how a lot of these other games turn turn out. It, hopefully, we get like hopefully they just have one of these flubs every once in a while, and they figure uh, I mean, everything else out. Yeah, I mean, sure, you know, the title's never going to not make like mediocre games every now and then, but uh, right, yeah. But it's just, yeah, I don't know. It feels like they don't have to if they don't if they really really wanted to, they could have figured something out here and probably really nailed it. Still, so you know, who knows what forces them to think like, oh, let's just put this one out. Um, okay. So, any other games? I guess you I mean real quick. Tell me, tell me about playing your new PC and the games you've been playing on. Yeah, your, well, last time we talked, you hadn't had it set up yet. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, yeah, so I got it set up, and you know, the games I was playing were like Overwatch and World of Warcraft, which weren't super graphically intensive. So I'm like, what can I put on here? Oh, I have that Wolfenstein Two game uh, installed. Jeff likes that. Well, I can finally play that. Like that a lot. Hey, yeah, you're right. It's a pretty good game. It's a good game. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Looks like really I, good on a computer too. Yep, and you got a 4K monitor and everything, so you were like, really yeah, good. I got a 4K monitor. I got a Titan uh, what X is it called? Yeah, XP maybe. maybe. Yeah, Pascal like X. Pa- yeah, yeah. I got, I got. I'm firing on a lot of cylinders here. Apparently, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good game. I'm glad you got to play it and got to play it on PC, which is probably the right way to play that right now. Even, even on consoles, it was kind of not, not the best. Sure. Um. Okay, so let's uh, let's get into the news. That was a pretty good upfront section. Fortnite and then a bunch of games um, and GDC. So, okay, this first story it does come from GDC. I'm wondering. I was wondering if any of you guys had like attended this one or, or if you guys had heard any. I wasn't here. at this. I mean, it's kind of okay, so it was I'm, kind of the talk of the show in a lot. Yeah, of it does. It was as far as I could tell. For, but but you were at the show and were people talking about it like at the show or well, like, what? what we, yeah. Well, this so this is yeah, the we, union thing. Right. So, okay. So Game Workers Unite. This was a, uh, it's an upstart organization that seems to have come into, into being over the last couple of weeks. I know that the people that actually organized it have been talking about it, working toward it for a, a bit now. Uh, but what happened was the leader of the IGDA, which is the International Game Developers Association, uh, which is ostensibly a, a, organization that lobbies and tries to uh, enact policies that are pro game developer. Uh, This is different than the ESA, which is a a lobbying group for the video game industry and represents basically the biggest game corporations in the world, Ubisoft and and EA and all them. Um, And the, the the leader of the IGDA, the, the, the held a panel about unions and it was like something titled like, uh, game unions, like what, like how they're good and how they're bad for you or something like that. And that seemed to get a pretty visceral response just from that description before the, like before GDC even started. And so these people that were already organizing uh, a pro union group for game developers put it out there and said, Hey, we're going to show up and we're going to have some, some literature, some pamphlets for people to read why it's important. And apparently have a discord and that discord blew up over the last couple of weeks with just a ton of people. And this all culminated in that, in that conversation, that talk happening at GDC. Um, and it, it basically was what a lot of people were worried about concern trolling. Uh, this person saying, Oh, we are, we're just worried that the unions could do this or that when really they're like, no, you're actually, you're just, you don't want unions because developers, uh, you know, in general don't want them. At least the, the leadership, the management of developers don't want them. And she was up there alone with this sentiment and everyone else in the room was kind of saying, Hey, it's pro union. Let's do this. Let's make this happen. Now is the time for game developers to unionize. Um, and it seemed like coming out of this, 
this event, there is a ton of momentum for this idea. And it seems like for the first time, maybe it is realistic that game developers could come together and start to begin to collectively bargain uh, with publishers as one solid block. Um, so, yeah, my question was, was this something people were talking about at the oh, event? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people were, were discussing this thing at the event, a lot of the other journalists, too. Um, I have to admit, my own sort of uh, knowledge of, of unions is maybe not as impressive as my knowledge of Mega Man. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean... Who isn't that true for me? <laughs> right, right. No, yeah. I mean, you're not alone. Like, I mean, it's uh, we're in a time when uh, most people aren't in a union. Most people don't even like most people work at jobs where it's like not even a possibility or an option. Uh, you know, even even in some forms of work where it is an option and it is popular. Like my wife's a teacher. And she's in the union, but most of the teachers she works with in Colorado aren't and don't really understand why a union is necessary. And this is all due to uh, years of of union busting uh, in terms of like uh, you know local governments trying to break them apart and find ways to not have to deal with them, as well as people like you know legislators putting in laws to make unions more difficult to run. Um, so so people have just sort of forgotten a lot of the benefits but it seems like there are a lot of uh active people in game development right now that that do understand it and have the passion and have uh the drive to make it happen um and i mean I, in, in these conversations did anyone did anyone sound like fearful or did, i mean was it just like no just- i think most people were kind of excited about the prospect of yeah. it right uh you know yeah it seems to be i mean it must be about to talk to you right or uh you know journalists or uh smaller developers so right it's, it's you know it's, uh you can see why they're excited about it but yeah it's hard to i am i am kind of interested to see if this does go somewhere if it's kind of just more of like a start or is it's like a fast start you know i hope it's not something that we don't talk about again until next gdc right exactly yeah i it, it's good. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not just a marathon. It is a, a never ending treadmill. Cause you always have to be pushing. Cause it's, it, it's an organization and it's in the name. Like the things don't organize on their own. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of people to organize anything, let alone a, a disparate group of people working at a bunch of different video game companies. Um, and you know, that, and that's, that, that doesn't even bring up that like, there is definitely going to be some confirmation bias, I think in the response to this, where, um, the people that really care about the idea of unionizing were going to show up for this for this talk, and they were going to be the ones making the noise. And maybe there are still, I think, uh, quite a few of developers who consider themselves like maybe libertarians or like, oh, we don't need collective bargaining. I'll just stand on my own. I don't need the help of anyone else. I can get a job wherever, and I can fend for myself. And people are allowed to feel that way, but it feels like the, those the, that group uh, that definitely exists is probably not being heard right now because they don't feel a need to stand up and speak because no one has suggested a union at their job yet. And once that happens, maybe they will speak out and say, I don't want to have to pay union dues because I i don't want a union. Sure. And if they're, if they can kind of like deal with that hurdle, I think that'll be the first good test to see if people can convince their coworkers that this is a good idea. Um, and hopefully we start to hear about that soon and kind of see where this goes. Um, I, and before we move on, were there any other stories at GDC that people were talking about? Was anyone talking about loot boxes, anything like that, or eh, completely forgotten about all that? You kind of weren't. Nah, people weren't talking about loot boxes too much. I mean, Fortnite was kind of pretty omnipresent right. there, I guess you could say. It was interesting. It was interesting, interesting to see how 
little of a presence VR had this time. It, it was in right. like the the one hall where like all the big companies are like where Oculus and you know Epic are, but uh, right. yeah, it wasn't like how it was like last year, especially two years ago, right? Where it's like all you could find. Um. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, we got a, just two more news stories. Let's hit these and maybe call the show. We've been going for a bit now. Uh. So I guess I, I would probably say this was the biggest story of last week. Um. Ubisoft has reached an agreement with Vivendi to get out of that hostile takeover. So Vivendi had over the last several years acquired uh, somewhere somewhere in the range of like twenty to thirty percent of this of the outstanding shares for Ubisoft. Uh, so it, it owned a sizable portion. And its goal, its stated goal for quite some time was to take over control 51% of Ubisoft. Um, This was a hostile takeover because Ubisoft was not trying to sell any shares to Vivendi. Uh, Vivendi was going out and buying shares from other people who had acquired the the stock and getting control that way. And so it was a slow process. It was like a slow-moving train wreck, especially for Yves Gamelt, who is the uh, leader of Ubisoft. Um, and you know, this was something we could see that was obviously like wearing, uh, wearing the leadership of Ubisoft down, like during the press conferences at E3, we would see Yves come out on stage and he'd be like, Oh, we are, we are still fighting. We are going to be Ubisoft. And, uh, no matter what, our games will be our games. And he can, you know, he'd come out and say that stuff and he would never mention anything by name, but everyone knew what he's talking about. Um, so this agreement basically is. Vivendi will sell all of its shares of Ubisoft, uh, some back to Ubisoft in a stock buyback program, some to a corporation owned by Eves and his brother, um, and so, some to the Ontario uh, Teachers Union or Teachers Group, like the retirement pension plan. And then the last group is Tencent, the, the giant Chinese mega company that has basically acquired all of gaming at this point. You know, they own 48% of Epic Games, uh, the creators of Fortnite, uh, the creators of, of the Unreal Engine. They own all of Riot Games, creators of League of Legends. So the two biggest games in the world, League of Legends and Fortnite. Just those ones. Um, yeah. And then, like, uh, they, I, mean, they own, I think they own uh, Supercell, who create Clash of Clans. So it's like, oh, also the biggest mobile games. Yeah, they just, they own a huge swath of gaming worldwide. Um, and now with this deal, uh, as part of this, you know, it's a minority stake in, in Ubisoft, um, Tencent will start bringing some of Ubisoft's games into China, which is something that, you know, not just Ubisoft, every major publisher has a hard time with because there are regulations and laws and cultural barriers and, and artificial monopoly monopolies that are protected by the government and Tencent controls those. And so this is a, you know, this is a kind of a win, win scenario, because Ubisoft is going to maintain control. They're going to get rid of Vivendi. They're going to get into China. And this new investor, Tencent, is unlikely to ever want to take over all of Ubisoft. It's just not how that... It's not how most Chinese companies operate. And Tencent has, has stuck to that sort of style of, of acquisition so far. Where they're like, no, we'll invest a lot. We'll get up... We'll get near 50%, but we're not going to cross that barrier. We still want the people who, who ran this company to have a controlling stake. So it's 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 kind of all good news for 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 pretty know. much for everybody. I mean, uh, even uh, you know the uh, yeah Vivendi walked away with a ton of money. It, so yep, it's all good. Yeah, for you know people who people who for people who have money, yeah, they have more of it now, Mike. You know, I, yeah, 
my my prospects haven't changed, but you know, good for all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still we're still doing okay, but not quite that good. No. Um. All right. Finally, Valve has seventeen hundred CPUs working nonstop to bust Counter Strike Go, uh, Go cheaters. Um. That's an astronomical number of yeah, CPUs. Right. Yeah, I got. I, I mean, I just thought this was an inter- interesting story to like. Okay, that that kind of maybe puts in perspective what a cheating problem looks like, or a solution to a cheating problem looks like. Um. You know, CS:GO has you know it's one of the one of the more recent games that has like dealt with this for a long period of time and has proven like no it doesn't ever really go away and there's uh, no way to make I remember it playing Counter Strike in like what 90 or 99 and people were talking about wall hacks and stuff like that yes okay yes yeah, nothing changes yep so when when yeah you, when you look at a game like Although, PUBG and now Fortnite Fortnite's going to ha- end up having similar problems yeah it's interesting how like with Overwatch you don't ever hear about cheat you hear about toxicity problems you don't hear about Right. People talk about a cheating problem with that game. There, no, I, no, you don't hear. You're right. I definitely remember a period where aimbots were a thing, and I think like Blizzard sued somebody over it. Maybe that was in Blizzard, uh, but it's never been as as pervasive as 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 CS:GO and PUBG. You know, you know what could, that could be is that in PUBG and CS:GO you earn in-game things that are worth money that you could sell on Steam. Yeah. And then you can actually, there's our third party sites where you could sell that stuff for real money. So there's a motivation there to be in the game and cheating because you might get something out of it. Uh, there's a monetary profit to be had. Uh, and that isn't in Fortnite and that isn't in Overwatch. So maybe that's the difference. And I wonder if that more than anything else, we have to start making these companies rethink, uh, you know, having real money involved in their loot box situation because, you know, I don't think they're going to go away from it unless it's hurting their game in some very permanent and, and decisive way. Um, okay, so I think it's going to do it for the show. Yeah, that was a, a good meaty episode. Uh, we'll come back next week. I think, what is it? Next week is going to be the beginning of April, right? So oh, should we... Yeah, it's going to be like April 2nd or 3rd. The best games of March. Yeah, so I was going to say, maybe we should like... This week, you and I should like maybe talk about if there's any games that we should definitely play before next week so we can have an idea. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that next week. Um, uh, you know, the big games that are coming out right now, Far Cry 5, we've already talked about that. There's some more coming up soon. Uh, how far away is that God of War? It's April, isn't it? Like, it feels it, like, yeah. Man, feel like that coming is coming up. up Whoa, that's exciting. Yeah. So we're, we're getting into it still. So uh, yeah, games are happening. We'll be there oh, to make happening. sure that all, all the decisions are made about them. Um, in the meantime, we're going to get out of here. Mike, tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. You can find me at Fortnite if you feel like you're man enough. Uh, no, you can find me at uh, GameSpeed. I'm always uh, right there. Or at Twitter at Tolkoto. That's T-O-L-K-O-T-O. We also do the Exploding Barrel podcast every week with my brother. That's uh, eppodcast.com. I need, to, I need to play Fortnite with you. All right. I wish yeah, I could play fun. against you. I wish <laughs> I there was a way to do that. But, yeah. You know. Um, yes. And I'm uh, Jeff Grubb on Twitter, uh, youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb and twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb. I, I will probably be streaming some more Far Cry five on PC on there in a little bit tomorrow night. Uh, probably tonight when you're hearing this, if you're listening to the audio version, um, I'm going to be blowing up a meteor in eco. Ooh. We have, we've built our lasers. Oh man. I, I built a huge wind farm, oh. uh, wind power farm. Like there's these huge wind turbines, like as far as the eye could see, Ooh, and then there's like, and then there's like 15 gasoline power generators. And we have to have all of these turned on and all of the lights turned out to power the lasers to actually shoot the meteors. So tomorrow night, we're going to get everyone online. We're going to shut all the lights off, 
gather on my tower that's right outside these lasers and flip on the switch and see what happens. So, Sounds yeah, exciting. Look, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Uh, okay, Mike, let's get out of here. Um, I kind of, I actually have a hankering to play Fortnite now, so I might see about playing that. We'll see how that goes. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.